0: Welcome to Smart Businesses Do This. I'm Adam Lyons, and today I'm joined by Josh Snow, who if you haven't heard of him, you definitely have heard of his award-winning number one tooth whitening brand in the world, Snow Tooth Whitening. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This. The podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. Josh, I've always been super impressed with how you've done what so many people dream to do, which is made the e-commerce thing work. Even with competitors like, you know, Amazon, who are trying to force people to buy everything through them. And then here's you killing it with what you're doing. Matt, how did you make this happen? Well,
1: <laughs> there is no secret. I, I figured that out. There's no like shortcut. It, but you, there are smart cuts. And so... Uh, you know that's a, a book I read years ago, and I love that terminology. But when I started Snow, I had already built and sold several businesses, and mostly in ad tech, e-commerce, marketing, uh, an agency, uh, e-commerce for the garage door space. Just I was already kind of in these areas. But um, two of my best friends at the time were building Tuft & Needle, the mattress company, uh, first bed in a box, and. I was thinking about it at the time. I'd always been obsessed with, uh, or not obsessed. I was obsessive a little bit when I was younger because I started in business when I was 13. So whitening my teeth and having like a wider smile just made me feel more confident. And so it was something that I dabbled in as a consumer for, you know, 10 years at the time. And then I was also undergoing jaw surgery. And so I was just like spending a lot of time around dentists, oral surgeons. and just, happened to be the timing. And I had this idea for cosmetics and oral care merging on a big scale. And there were players before that were doing it. Some that have tried it, dentists that were like, I'm going to create my own teeth whitening brand and it's going to be luxury. And But I, I just felt like that area was lacking. And then all the odds were pretty much stacked against me. From the name being Snow, like you're never gonna get that trademarked. We 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 now have the trademark and the username, the verification, all that stuff. And it didn't come easy. It didn't come from the start, but it was this vision that I had that oral care, such a massive industry, consolidated with just a few players, and they've got great products. It's not that there aren't great products out there, and they're not accessible or affordable. You can get toothpaste pretty much anywhere. It's the number one sold retail product, but the elevation of what people are putting into their body. If they're, they're going vegan or paleo, keto, gluten-free, and these are preferences, no longer intolerances. Um, and so the, the taste of the modern consumer, we have choices now. And even in cosmetics, uh, skincare, you can get your acne treatment from one brand, your eyeliner from another, your toner from another. And so the choices that consumers have in all these other industries, I just felt like it was lacking inside of oral care. And if I want a good, better, best, how do I upgrade to best? And what does that mean? Is it better ingredients? Is it better packaging? Is it better for the earth? Is it better for me? Like better results? Like what does that mean? And so I wanted Snow to be looked at as the Dyson or apple of oral care in the way that we thought about product development and the way that we thought about packaging and the way that we thought about marketing and storytelling the names of our products, the service that we provide. And so that was the vision in the beginning. They didn't know how big or anything like that. I just knew, Hey, a lot of people have teeth. All the odds are stacked against me. I'm looking for pretty much an impossible challenge in my life because I had the kind of shiny stuff at the time, the cars. And, you know, I've been fortunate to be uh, financially successful in in my space since I was a teenager. And so like, I, have gone through that phase and made money, lost money, and been screwed over a hundred plus times and all of that (laughs) stuff. And so I kind of got to a point as an old soul where I was like, I want something that I could potentially do for the rest of my life grows with population growth, where if I'm even remotely successful, that the future me would be proud of the work that I put in and that it would be a vision and a mission pure enough that it could attract other a players that have a chip on their shoulder and want a reason to work with other great people and that's what I was seeking I needed I needed a vehicle for that and happened to be oral care and it happened to, to be snow amongst many of the brands that, that that I run and I founded snow was very intentional from the beginning from me taking a $60,000 a year salary to me putting millions of dollars of my own money into the business and bootstrapping the first 100 million dollars in sales everything was intentional and Probably the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever face anything of that magnitude of difficulty um, in my life. I'm ready for it at this time around, um, but it it takes a lot to build a snow, and that's not just me saying it as a founder. Very quickly, six months in, snow became about the customers and the people and the community more so than it became about me. I was never, I was never really the reason people bought the product. um, I simply wanted to elevate the industry and find innovative ways um, to do it. And we've got a product that everybody can relate to. And the result is you smile. And it's like, how many people can we help smile and feel more confident about their smile? And that's the mission that I can get behind. It's got an infinite goal. And we just continue to push out new products and new lines. So that's where we are today. But the vision was just oral care, big market, I'm at a place in my life where I need a really big challenge and I want to do something on a public forum because it's something I would have liked to follow. I wish I could have followed Steve Jobs on Instagram and saw behind the scenes while he was building it and all of that versus after the fact. And I said, I want to be an example to do that. I don't care if anybody watches or anybody does it, um, but I feel like I need to journal this.
0: I love that. And now you're the the Steve Jobs of tooth whining. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's, you've done it. You've been featured. I mean, Ellen DeGeneres has has had snow teeth whining. Countless celebrities, right? Kardashians that I see, they've they've done it as well, if I, if I remember rightly. Because you know, we're, we're buddies on Facebook, so I keep I keep track. I follow you, Josh. Um, the, uh, the the question I have for you is: I know that influencer marketing has been a key component in the growth. But one of my favorite things that you say is: if you had hundred thousand dollars only to spend on influencer marketing, you're not just going to go out and try and haggle with kanye west are you what's uh, what's your technique it's changed you know it's changed and and i've been I've been speaking on the topic
1: um, for years because it, i I fell in love with influencer marketing because people buy from where they like and trust. we know that, and when you're a new brand, if you're a bootstrap brand or you know you don't have a ton of resources to go out and tell everybody about your product or sample your product how do you smart cut your way in business so you go to people that have millions of fans who like and trust them who have that embedded it's just like when you do a retail deal if you're selling physical products you get your toothpaste into you know whole foods or some big retailer there's influence influencer marketing there because Millions of people, shoppers, trust Whole Foods to curate that playlist of food, the playlist of brands and discovery. And that's why they return. And Whole Foods takes it very seriously. And so it's a big badge of honor beyond the sales you get. It's it's important. That's why retail, we look at, we look at influencer marketing in a multiple faceted way. We've had to adapt. I've had to change the way that I think about it, that we measure it, that we talk about it, that I teach about it. Um, because it's dangerous it's dangerous nowadays because you know there's a huge incentive to build up a fake following that does not purchase products that you're paying as a brand thousands of dollars to get in front of sometimes the influencer doesn't even know that their following is not engaged like they think and So it was the wild, wild west when engagement was really high and you can get a post from a Kardashian or from a Kanye West or anyone that had tens of millions of followers and half of their following would see it. They'd engage with it. They would discover the product. They trusted that influencer to tell them what's cool because they want to be like them. After a while, it became commonplace that, oh, if they're posting something with a brand it's sponsored. Well, I'll take a look at it. Oh, okay. it's the And then the Instagram algorithm said, okay, 50% of followers, how about 1% of your followers are going to see it now? So now 1% of your followers are seeing it. The stories disappear in 24 hours. So we went from spending millions and millions of dollars on large scale influencer partnerships and all of this to saying, okay, we need to think about it as the um, 900 million Instagram users that don't have 10 million followers. Those are micro-influencers, and even further, nano-influencers, which are even your own customers. And I go, wow, we have millions of of users of our products. Why don't we reach out to them? They probably have an Instagram, they probably have Facebook. If we had 100,000 of our customers, 1,000 of our customers, and they have an average of 1,000 people, and they're posting every week, that's a million people in their close circles, concentric circles, they create a ripple effect of trust because remember people buy from where they like to trust. They like, and trust, hopefully one of their family members. And if they're following them and they're a tastemaker in that space, it might be a dental hygienist, a family member. And she's known as the one that knows about teeth in the family. And she's posting about snow Well, she might only drive 10, 15 sales, but that's kind of what some of the big influencers can drive because the reach is what you're thinking and then the affinity within that reach for people to actually convert. And so we've turned, we've turned it around. We only work with macro mega celebrities that have just global reach because we're a brand that can catch that now. We have 19 channels online. We're advertising, retargeting, retail. We've got the net that's just worthy enough to catch that kind of brand spillover. We also take that and we use that in retail. So our retail partners get access to those big partnerships. Our investors get access to those big partnerships. Um, our team members see that as a signal of, "Wow, that's cool." You know, you know, my that's my company with with Drake, and so influencer marketing works internally as well as to the customer. And but you have to be a big enough brand or you have to have enough uh, uh, momentum that you can afford not making any money back the first month on a $500,000 Alan DeGeneres integration. How are you going to maximize that? Are you going to be able to license it or run it as ads? Otherwise, the meat that makes the majority of brands money on Facebook today is user-generated content. These are free in exchange for product videos that are on their iPhone that you caption and you run from your page, or even better, you run from their page, you whitelist it. That's really what's driving the majority of the D2C brands that are seeing a large return. Even the large ones like Everly Well, Peloton, you name it. They're using this type of format on Facebook and Instagram. They're not going for just the big super celebrities.
0: I, I love it. This, I mean, some really, really powerful insight there. Um, one question that I've got for you, obviously, you mentioned snow is something that, you know, took everything. And this was like the big thing. And potentially, this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life is just, you know, clean everyone's teeth. Uh, via a third party. Um, The the real question I've got to you is, in some alternate dimension, you go in another world and uh, you have to start something from scratch. And uh, let's just say that snow's already existing. Somebody else has already done it. If you had to start again today, what would you do? It's What I've learned
1: is you can't go big and far without other people. And so it sounds soft and cliche, but it's, it's actually tactical and strategic at the same time, because people, you need to utilize leverage. You need to utilize other people's people, other people's time, other people's resources, other people's connections, other people's capital. It becomes an other people discussion. And that requires delay of gratification and um, abundance mindset. Again, two soft woo things you might think, but these are straightforward things you can Google. It's, Hey, if I am thinking that if I put together the best people in dental care, I'm the guy that puts the vision together. I have the vision of how everybody's going to make money and it's going to take minimal effort because I'm going to do the work to analyze what superpowers these people bring to the table what they like, what they don't like in the next 90 days. So if I was starting over, I would say, okay, who are the companies crushing it in the space right now? Okay. I'd find snow. Okay, great. I would look at what team members do they have and how long have these team members been there and where do they start? Okay. I'd get an understanding for who I might need on my roster, my starting team. Then I'm going to look at adjacent companies in the space. So if I'm going into oral care, I'm going to look at skincare. I'm going to look at hair care, body care. And I'm going to see companies that are crushing it in that space. I'm going to find their LinkedIn. I'm going to find their people that have been there for a few years. And I'm going to reach out to probably 25 to 50 of them. I'm going to copy and paste the same message. And I'm going to offer to pay them as little as $100 for 15 minutes of their time. And I'm going to explain to them that I'm starting a business that's non-competitive with some of the smartest people in the space. And I wanted to pick their brain to understand what I might need in terms of launch. And I'm going to ask them for manufacturers. I'm going to ask them for media buyers. Uh, I'm going to hop on a platform like Clarity.fm or MentorPass, and I'm going to hire someone like myself for 30 minutes and say, Hey, Josh, where do I go for banking a line of credit? I need a line of credit and I'm willing to secure it with, you know, my house, blah, blah, blah. Or I'm going to go on clarity.fm and find people that are experts in funding. I'm going to find someone who's an expert at legal. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to create, I'm going to syndicate. So the, the best way to get started in a business is syndication. And uh, uh, one of the, the examples that most people do is consulting or running an agency. So the first thing I would do is I would say, okay, I want to get into oral care. I know that branding, packaging, all this is going to be important. So I'm going to start an agency for 200 bucks with an LLC and a website for free with GoDaddy. I'm going to call it Frost Distribution. And Frost Distribution is going to be um, a managed service as well as a conduit for helping brands scale to the next level. And it's going to help connect them to PR companies in the skincare space. It's going to—I'm going to put these people I'm talking to on LinkedIn and offer them a seat on the board of Frost Distribution. Would you like to be a board member of Frost Distribution? Uh, we'll pay you for your time. Anytime someone wants to talk to you guys, blah 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 blah. They're already on these platforms. So now on my website at Frost Distribution, I will have the ex-CEO of Procter and Gamble on the board. I'm going to have a picture of me. I'm going to reach out to podcasts as big as I can, so I can start to get some credibility on my own. And I'm going to be talking about our plan and who's involved. You know, one of the people on our board was the CEO of Procter and Gamble, and he's passionate about this. And we're fortunate to talk every week. And you know, he's very, very passionate about this project. And he, you know, he's helped connect us to do, do, do. the manufacturer. Now you go to the manufacturer, you need money for product if you're doing a physical product. You need money for product. Well, if you go to the manufacturer. And you say, hey, I've got the ex-CEO Procter & Gamble. They've done a lot of work with you guys. This is what we're planning to do. Would you be willing to give us a credit line? I'd be willing to give you half of a credit line. Then you bring that half of a credit line over to the banking relationship, the local bank, the small business bank. So it's all about leverage. It might take an extra six months, but I'm not gonna risk any of my own capital or very little. I'm going to think about the absolute smartest mousetrap that makes others rich and me really rich. And in the very beginning, I'd be willing to inverse that, make others really rich and me rich so that I can move to the next level. And I would figure out what space I want to enter and I would get everybody else involved and make it their idea so that it comes to life with as little risk on my side as possible.
0: So, I mean, there's so much here. So, first of all, you know, for everyone listening to this, Josh is playing a different game than most people in the business world. I know so many people are like, all right, got an idea for a business. I'm. Uh, let's have a look at this. Oh, I'm going to try and sell it to my aunt and uncle when they come over for Thanksgiving. Right, That's like a method that people do. What, what Josh is doing here is a lot more of the kind of thing that I tend to do, which is to really put together the team from a very conscious place where you, you've identified all the key components you need. So you've already made your move. But in all of that, there was one really key component. I love Josh. And you're actually... You're the only other person that I've heard say this beyond myself, by the way. So I'm, I mean, I'm not surprised, but I'm, you know, love hearing it, which is you literally mentioned the phrase, I want to pick your brain, which is a very common phrase that we as experts always hear. However, the difference is you paid for the ability to pick their brain. And I can't tell you how many times I have people message me and say, I want to pick your brain, but it's only ever the ones that lead with money that that I do it. And one of my superpowers is offer creation. I can, people can call me up out of nowhere and I can create an offer. And it's all because I once picked the brain of one of the best offer creation experts in the world at the time, which was John Benson. And I'm never going to forget how I reached out to him because I figured everyone wanted to hire him and I knew he was like a hundred grand a day, like something I just couldn't afford. So I remember calculating how much he was per minute and realized I could afford seven minutes. So I I contacted him and said, I'm not going to insult you by offering you anything less than your regular rate. However, at your regular rate, I can only afford seven minutes. So I would like to send you the money for seven minutes of your time. I've pre-written three questions, which I'm hoping we can answer at a rate of one every two minutes. And, uh, and I'd love to get some help at the highest level. He was so blown away by the fact that I was willing to pay to pick his brain. It not only ended up being a one and a half hour conversation when I only paid for seven minutes, we became friends. I got invited to his house. I had dinner at his house and have worked on two different offer creation and VSL product projects with him and got paid for it off the back of it, not by him, but by his clients specifically because I was willing to pay to pick his brain. So I, I love that you led with that, man. Like the, you fully understand the exchange of value, which I think so few people get and which obviously is testament to your, to your success. Thank you. I mean, it's, it takes, it's not something that's easy.
1: Uh, it's like, like, it's not given to everybody. It it does. Some people are much more, I, I certainly was not very apt to that abundance kind of understanding. I think it, It took a little while for me because it was more of like survivorship, you know, growing up with nothing and building everything from scratch. It was like, you know, is this a zero sum game? And it's it's kind of frantic. And that's what I see in a lot of um, younger entrepreneurs and not even age wise, but just younger in terms of uh, success is that that Maslow's hierarchy of need, that food, shelter, security, if you don't have that set up, which is why I recommend start an agency and get some clients and over-deliver for them so they, they build your reputation for you. Do something so that you can think abundantly. Or the best thing that took me most of my career to learn is ask for help. And people want to be involved, but you have to understand the value exchange. And that's where you break down the barriers. And it doesn't always work. You have, That's why I said 25 to 50 LinkedIn emails but at least you come in. We have our powerhouse mastermind. It's the same thing. It's a paid mastermind for e-commerce founders. And there's an exchange of value, hopefully, with the other party feeling that they left with a steal. And that's the whole idea. And, and you want to provide value even to the LinkedIn. People say, really, Josh, you, you send LinkedIn messages? That, like What tools do you use? I go, Gmail and, you know, contact <laughs> out if I want. You know, I use contact out, single, s- signal hire, that'll get me their iMessage. So sometimes I can iMessage. If it turns blue, boom, I got them. And I'm like, hey, uh," you know, hey, Josh or hey, Adam, you know, found you on LinkedIn. Hope it's okay reaching out here. You know, I used my plugin and it showed this email and I wanted to make sure you saw my email. Like I'm kind of sometimes a little bit weird about it, but I never forget the value exchange. As long as you don't mess up, that linear respect, because that's what someone of stature is sniffing for. Someone of stature who values their time, who has infinite opportunities to, to spend their time getting a cup of coffee or getting, I don't get a cup of coffee. I don't get a lunch. I, I don't do that anymore because my my time, I have 24 hours and I'm very serious about the time. And so, yes, the value exchange is something that takes people sometimes a little bit to get over. But if you just obsess over value exchanges, don't do it. you got to think of a long payback. What is chess versus checkers? If And it's not opportunistic. It's like, oh, I'm going to be nice to this guy because I need something from him. It's like, no, what does this guy want and need in his life? What does he desire? And how can I align into an offer, right? You're great at this. Like that. that offer creation is what does he want? What does he want? What does she want? How does he make money? How does she make money? Okay, here's the offer is everybody in? They go, everybody's in. And then I get to be the conduit. I get to be the cheerleader of that vision and the protector and the preserver and continue to recruit support. And that thing just moves. It's a train. And that's why I'm able to produce the way I produce with the freedom and flexibility that I have as a CEO that is very rare where I, I'm able to be in the office two days a week, I'm able to, I have phenomenal team systems processes, it's deliberate, so that the business is built around what I believe will drive the most value to not just my life, but the team's lives. So yes, values change, at every level, when people figure that out, they start applying it to their personal relationships, business relationships, partnerships, if you apply it in all those areas, everything becomes easier in the sense that it's less tense, like, you're not the only one having to do everything. It's just okay. You make a little less, but so what? As long as you don't, you know, pass away, you can continue to go back to the river. And that's the idea. Everybody wants them. They want the ocean, not the the river. They want to go all the way. I want to sell for a hundred million. That's what I want to go for. And I think there's a lot of lost productivity in that gap, in that ten to hundred million dollar gap. There's a lot of lost opportunity there, and stress, divorces. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in there. And that's something I'm passionate about because coming out from seeing how hard I was doing things, I was like, nobody needs to do things that hard. Like you don't have to compromise that much. And that's why I have this like lightness about me now is because I've changed my perspective on how I build these businesses. And it's to the benefit of everybody. All my leadership loves it. The community loves it. Like everybody loves it versus the, this has to be a hundred million dollar business. And this has to be the big thing for me. So I'm a better leader when I think of other people first than of my own initiatives. And then I am always the last one to eat. AKA once I figured out everyone else wants, can I still get what I want? Do I have to wait for the next one? And you got to be willing to do that as
0: a leader. What, what I love, and, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, you mentioned before about your background, coming from a poor background, and I think one of the reasons we resonate is the same thing. I grew up in a project, you know, we we had no money. I remember my parents, um, you know, I, I remember wanting bacon and a bacon sandwich. English people eat bacon sandwiches all the time. And uh, my parents said, well, we don't have enough bacon for you to have a bacon sandwich. It's not your day. You know, we take it in turns. And uh, I got grounded because I put two slices of bacon into a sandwich, like, because you're not supposed to, you know. And so at the age of 11, my parents said, well, if you want to do that, you need to get a job. And so I started work at the age of 11 so I could afford my own food and, you know, partly been looking after myself since I was a kid. And and that just extends. But when you talk about abundance, I think it's very fascinating. Uh, You and I have a similar attitude on this. And I suspect it's because we know how to live with nothing. So I can have abundance because anything above nothing is great. And I understand that if I help everybody else get where they want to go in return, I now have everybody else trying to help me get where I want to go, which is what you said, Everyone else is now rich. So they turn around to you, give you a little bit. And before you know it, um, you're, you're crushing it. I'm super aware of time where, where we're at at the moment. But what I'd love to, to finish with, if you don't mind, Josh, is, you know, the title of the podcast is Smart Businesses Do This. If you had to summarize what smart businesses do, obviously, everything you've said so far is, is clearly what to do. But if you could summarize, if somebody listening here, what, what should smart businesses do? Smart businesses
1: should challenge the status quo. They should, you know, every six months, your business should be adapting and evolving. Almost, you know, a year from now, snow should look completely different than it looks now. That doesn't mean too much other than our thoughts, our strategies, we're constantly pivoting versus the stubbornness of the original vision. This is what we said we were going to do, being open to that change because change is opportunity. And then I think smart businesses focus on Profit. Um, profit is the lifeblood of any organization. It's the valuation metric that every MA gets down to at the end of the day. So, profit allows you to hire better people. And smart businesses don't skimp out on their people. Smart businesses understand that great people in this economy right now have the opportunity to work anywhere. And so, creating, not saying that you have to overpay and do all this crazy stuff to, to hold your talent. But smart businesses do a good job of storytelling the intention and the mission of why someone should spend a third of their life working on your project versus someone else's. And they're very clear and intent around that. And smart businesses hire great people and they get out of their way. They support them. They don't micromanage great talent. They support talent. And ultimately, smart businesses lead to higher value work. And they have this culture that's ingrained that it's high performance, but low pressure, so that people are able to grow at their own speed. But when you hire people who are comfortable at higher speeds, they enjoy the, the friendly competition. And people are on the people that join an organization like that aren't just looking for a paycheck. They want to be paid for what they're worth, which is a lot, but they want an opportunity for mastery. They want to master some form of their craft, they want to learn. Because at the end of the day, man and woman, whoever you are, that drive, that pursuit is the happiness, that drive is there. And so as a smart business, you should be providing internally a vehicle that helps people get their enjoyment and thrill, but also understand how it aligns with their personal development goals, because it's a different world that we live in today.
0: I absolutely love that. All right, so I'd be uh, I'd be kicking myself if I didn't take this opportunity to pitch you something I've had in my head for a very long time. Josh, I think you're going to love it. Do you have you currently named your car? Uh no. I'm going to put it to you. It's called the Snowmobile. There we go. That's my pitch. Feel free to take it. It feels like <laughs> it's a no-brainer. <laughs> I
1: love it. There's so there's so much to play with the this I never knew. But there's there are so many plays on it and uh it never ends, man. I like that. Well, thanks, Adam. That. Thanks for having me, man. I'm so glad we got a chance to do this. And and listen, I, um, I'll always make time for you and I'll always make time for your community. Um, and I appreciate what you're doing and I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you, dude. Thank you so much, Josh. Have a great day. Thanks.
0: Now, if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit the smartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. And I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.